Hey, welcome to The Centre Podcast. We're a church based in Dural, Sydney, who love Jesus and want to share the message of hope that he brings for all people. We pray that you're blessed by this word and that it reveals God's love for you in a new way. Enjoy. All right. Well, welcome to Vanta. Mitch, how you doing? I'm well, thanks, Murray. How are you? Yeah, look, I'm, I'm a little sad after after Sunday's game, you know? A bit disappointing. <laughs> <laughs> That's all right. I think, I think Para put in, put in a, a valiant effort to a pretty phenomenal Penrith side, but yeah. Yeah, I watched the first half <laughs> and then I was like, oh. Yeah. Yeah, I think I think there was like still still hope in the second half, but uh, yeah, look, they just they scored scored some tries too late. The game, yeah. I think. Well, you know, the game went for a hundred minutes. Drag on the game went for like you know four or five days. I reckon <laughs> <laughs> eventually, <laughs> Paramount could yes. come back. But yeah, um, you um you, you're um sort of a you uh, you, you harbour a deep passion from Para from from back in the day. Yeah, I I guess my because both my parents grew up in that area yeah. and my. Pop played for Parramatta Two Blues, yeah, and so he kind of knew a lot of the '80s Parramatta players. Like sure. they were kind of just normal dudes. Yeah, they worked in the bank. They weren't. So Mum sort of yeah. knew those guys, and Dad played for Wentworthville and mm. all that. So yeah, yeah. all these But then growing up in the Blue Mountains, the local team was Penrith. So I sort sure. of felt like ah, uh, like I actually have a Parramatta and a Penrith jersey. Oh, okay. Penrith jersey is at my parents' place somewhere. Right. So like in some ways, I was like, oh well, yeah. Yeah, kind of Paramount, I guess, is the first love. But yeah. it was like, also, Penrith was the local team yeah, growing yeah, up on yeah. the mountains. No, so. that's fair. That's totally yeah. fair. Yeah, no, it is kind of funny, like, because I grew up in Liverpool, where, like, Parramatta was not the team that <laughs> yes, you went for. You know. It was, like, mainly, like, doggies, yeah. like, fans. Um, but, yeah, suddenly I'm, like, in, in para territory. So mm. it's kind of nice. Yeah, it was... It's still a bit weird walking around the shops at Jewel on Sunday. It's like, all these Parramatta jerseys around. I was like, oh. Yeah, yeah. And then I only saw one Parramatta jersey on Monday. Yeah. <laughs> it was like a, a it was a young kid. He would have been maybe like twelve. I was like, yeah, mate. I, th- I feel like you. That's a fairly new jersey. You just mm. wanted to wear it one more time. Wear it around. You know, yes. it's, it's 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 hard to wear a Parramatta jersey after you lost the grand final the night before. I I commend his yes. efforts. Yes, um, I still remember the two thousand and one grand final. I would yeah. have been like eleven or something. Yeah, it's pretty devastated. Mm. Lost in Newcastle. Yeah. And then the 2009 grand final lost to Storm. Yep. That's probably when I stopped following NRL. It was after 2009. You rage quit the NRL. Oh, I just <laughs> lost interest. It wasn't even rage. It was even like Sunday <laughs> I was watching. I was like, oh, they're getting smashed. I was like, but it was like no emotion. I wasn't like, oh, I was like, oh, sucks for Parramatta. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I will say it is a, it is a great conversation starter. You can, like, get straight into a great conversation if you can just, like, name a few players. Yes. <laughs> say, the, say the score from last week. <laughs> you ever seen the IT crowd? I have seen the IT There's crowd. There's an episode where, because none of them, Moss and I can't think of the other character's name. Uh, yeah. Roy, 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 Roy Moss. And one of them is, like, because I know nothing about football, like soccer, and yeah. they have, like, a site, you know, it's like the tips to kind of, you know, fit in. <laughs> yeah. And just, yeah, yeah, that's all you need, just to score mm. a couple of players and, like, yeah. uh, oh, the refing was terrible. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, well, when I when I worked at my old job, they did a footy tipping competition at work um, that I, like, jumped in on. And essentially all I did was every single week, I just backed whichever team for each game had the better odds of winning. That's oh, all I did. Yeah. Like it was a very just statistical, mm. like, and then sometimes I would back para 
like if I was like, no, they're going to win. Uh, yeah, and I won like the whole comp. And all these guys who would watch games that like their team wasn't even playing, very mm. into it. Because um, I would never watch a game that the Eels aren't playing in. Mm. Um, were coming via my desk wanting to know tips. And I'm like, oh, who did you go for? I was like, mate, just look at the stats. Look just at sports bet. <laughs> literally whatever the people who have put a lot more time and effort yes. and thought into this have given the odds. I'm just back in that. Yes. And they were so disappointed. So, yeah, I was got given a big trophy that I got to hold up in front of all these people who knew a lot more about footy there than you me. Go. So, boom, there we go. There just go. just follow the bookies. Yes. <laughs> That's my whole uh, tip. Yeah. So we um, had a really uh, unique sort of sermon Dude, on yeah. Sunday. A bit, bit different Ooh. to like a classic, a bit more teaching yeah. focused. Uh, and looking at a bit of a, a, bit of a unique and, and tricky passage, mm. I think a lot of people read Jesus cursing the fig tree and get a bit confused, don't mm. really know what it means. I know that's been my experience, you know, previously. Mm. Um, I have uh, this quote that you love the weird, strange passages. <laughs> yes, I do. Because you ask, what is God trying? to say here mm. i'd love to just ask you as a slight tangent before yep. we go into it what are some other like weird passages um, that we don't have to go into but just that uh, just as a ezekiel 38 and 39 gog yep. and magog um yeah. probably book of revelation just yep. stop i yep. find that from yeah. from chapter 1 to 22 yeah, yeah i <laughs> yeah. find that yeah and love that um book of daniel yep even like a book like leviticus mm. it's also like a bit weird and wonderful yeah um, yeah, they're probably the the main ones. Yeah, but yeah. I actually have a pretty big soft spot for the Book of Ezekiel. Mm. I find it quite a yeah, interesting book. Yeah, not even just chapters thirty eight and thirty nine, like Ezekiel's life, mm. <laughs> lying on his side, yeah, <laughs> making little mud images of Jerusalem, yeah, cooking food over dung, dung, and so, you know, yeah. it's just weird and wonderful. And yeah, I love it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think the the weirder the passage, I'm like. I don't know the answer. Yeah, so, no, definitely. Well, everyone knows what John three sixteen means. Yeah, you know, for sure. Not everyone knows what Ezekiel thirty eight means. Mm. So, yeah, yeah. I just love the research behind it. So just good, unpacking so good. that. So. And who are some um, sort of people who you were going for in your research for this? Um, so N T Wright was a yep. big one. Um, a guy called William Turford, I think it is. He's an older commentator. Mm-hmm. Timothy Gray. I found all these like journal articles, mm. a lot more helpful, and just some like commentaries. Mm. So from I know the series names. Can't think of the authors. So the NIV application mm. commentary. That's a good like intro mm. one, giving mm. base level. What's called the nice new international commentary on mm. the New Testament. That's a mouthful. Mm. So it would be. Yeah, I'm just trying mm. to think. Like we've got obviously people in our congregation who've like never gone to seminary mm. school, um, but for something like a Mark and sandwich, which mm. is a pretty, you know, this is something that if you go to you yeah. know college and study the the book of Mark, that's a pretty cool thing that yep. you're going to learn about. Uh, but for people who maybe are a little bit hungry to mm. learn more about this sort of stuff, but maybe don't have the capacity to you know do a degree yep. at, at Mauling or wherever SMB. Mm. what would be sort of your suggestion for them to start off where would be a good place to Uh, easily get in google books google books google scholar yeah there's so much stuff that's just out there yeah free because google books gives you a preview sometimes those preview pages fall on the stuff you want to read sometimes it doesn't yeah if you want to spend a bit of money i think it's only like 150 160 dollars a year per lego yep it's basically a netflix for netflix for 
yeah. more academic textbooks. Yeah, I can so attest Pelago is very good. <laughs> there's been a couple I haven't found, which I'm a bit disappointed, but most of the time I find yeah. the books I'm looking for. And so yeah. it's very much more scholarly directed. Yeah. Uh, I found that. Oh, yeah. Very cool. It's a little bit clunky, but look, yeah, in yeah. terms of just getting a book that you're mm. going to read once instead yeah. of buying it, it's a yeah. lot better. So. Yeah. And I know um, one of my old teachers used to say, like, the internet is a gutter, <laughs> right? <laughs> like, anything can go in. Yeah. Um, but even just the sheer fact of having a book published mm. suddenly raises your, you know, reputable yes. trustworthiness a lot. So, yeah. Google Books and Playgirl are cool because it's still technically online, it's mm. the internet and accessible easily in yeah. that way. But the fact that they've had to go through a filter or a hurdle yes. of a publisher can typically mean that they're a lot more trustworthy yeah mo like, like pretty much all the time because like the problem with say the amazon is that you can self-publish sure and there's all sorts of weird and oh, wacky yeah. Are there books ever? out there <laughs> like yeah. someone's self-publishing so yes so like a palego um oh, look part of me wants to go back to study to get access to all the journal articles yeah though i'm told there is a site out there which is like a netflix for journal articles hmm yeah, yeah, right. yeah, so yeah. you can just find. So I used to use EBSCOhost a lot. Yeah. So I lost access to that. Yeah. You know, I haven't been a student for a not, while. Not an open Athens fan. Yeah. Well, this conversation got very alienating <laughs> for yes. most people very quickly. But I think it is helpful for people yeah, to know if what you that process search. is because it yeah. is sort of can seem a bit um, mysterious and sort of, yeah, yeah. where do I start? So that's cool. Palego mm. and Google Books. Mm. So with this Mark and Sandwich, mm. it starts with Jesus cursing the mm. fig tree. does indeed. This is a weird moment in the Gospels because I could be wrong, but like in a very sort of physical, enacted way, this is the only moment that I can think of in the Gospels that Jesus curses. It, yeah, well, kind like of he curses Jesus. things like with his words, but that's more of like a lament, mm. as as how I see it. Yeah. Do you see this as being the only time that Jesus, very like in a in a Destroy physical something. manifestation, yeah. curses something? Mm, that's kind of weird. Said. It is weird. And I think, as I said on Sunday, if you just read, say, Mark 11, 12 to 14, you're like, what? Like, just curses it. He's hungry. Yeah. Sees a fig tree. So there's no fruit in it because it wasn't the season. Curse it. You're like, huh? He seems like a brat. He does, actually. <laughs> and that's where a lot of people, like I quoted a couple of guys, yeah, T.W. Um, Manson, Taylor Miraculous Power, Wasted in Service of Ill Temper. Uh, it was not the right time of year for the figs and you could really not blame the tree. Sure. So that's yeah. like legitimately, if that's if you just read those couple of verses, then it seems mm. like, yeah, sure. Yeah, but yeah. Mark, so while there's the Mark and sandwich of fig meat being the cleansing of the temple and the other part of the bread, the yeah. trees, you know, withering, mm. a little bit more broader is actually Jesus entering Jerusalem triumphantly. Sure. And so... I kind of mentioned this briefly about the whole days of the week before mm -hmm. the Holy Week. but mm -hmm. so, so even that's tied into Zechariah 14, mm -hmm. which I referenced to. It's like Jesus starts on the Mount of Olives, he's riding the donkey. And what would happen in a normal triumphal entrance, so say with like a, a Roman emperor into the city, was the emperor would go into the temple and offer a sacrifice because mm. kings were often like were seen as the representatives of the the gods mm. on the earth but it says here that jesus entered jerusalem went into the temple courts looked around at everything since it was late went out to bethany with the 12th mm. so even that like in bethany is located on the mount of olives mm. and so a number of scholars have noted that 
Mark's sort of pitting the Mount Olives versus Mount Zion, where mm. the temple is. And mm. so, and that's again tied in that Zechariah 14 image of like mm. Yahweh's feet being mm. on the Mount Olives and splitting it, which is an apocalyptic way of describing mm. like rescuing mm. salvation. Mm. So, yeah, Jesus is sort of doing that. He's like half fulfilling Zechariah 14, but also mm. not. Yeah. Like, that. So, obviously, like with us today, mm. technically, sort of. Are still under a monarch, but you know, <laughs> don't don't necessarily get excited maybe mm. by that idea, and definitely don't have this idea of, you know, I guess like if the Queen came to Australia, people would have been like pretty excited by yep. that. I guess like you know, if the new King came to yeah. Australia, probably people would be pretty excited. But um, I sort of am thinking. Um, I even saw this video the other day of um, uh, one of the actors who's in that new film that Harry Styles is in and he was entering a film festival mm. and they're kind of going through in the limo and he was just filming everyone's reactions outside on the street mm. thinking that he was Harry Styles for a second and it was like just a hundred like time after time of people being really excited and then being disappointed yep. like it was very funny but this idea of like these girls lining up to see Harry Styles that's maybe like somewhat comparable in the way that people yeah. get excited about celebrities say like if a king was coming to your city that's a pretty big deal and people would line the streets mm. and kind of get excited by yeah, that yeah. it's something that i think there's one celebrity is so much more sort of broad these days mm. there's so many people and everything but it's sort of been a big deal and the mm. idea of jesus coming in on a on a lowly donkey mm. sort of subverting a lot of stuff it does, yeah so when he's kind of coming in um there's this interesting thing he comes in on the sunday he enters on a donkey mm. and then on the monday he curses the fig tree what yeah. is like that significance can you unpack that a yeah. little bit so um figs uh so this you won't find this in the bible but in sort of what they call intertestamental writings. Mm -hmm. So figs in Jewish writings, they came to represent the nation of Israel. Yeah. So Israel, so it's a multifaceted image. So yeah. the Jews was sort of represent, Israel was represented by a fig. Mm -hmm. And there was even some Jews and rabbis that suggested that the tree of the knowledge of good and evil was a fig tree. Sure. And some even commented saying, you know, it's ironic that the tree that brought our destruction will kind of bring our restoration because mm. the belief was that when the messiah came that there would be fruitfulness on the trees mm. more bountiful than eden herself sure and there's a bit of scriptural reference for that i'll pull up a couple of them so one of them comes from uh, micah mm -hmm. there's heaps out there you can google it so yeah Zachar, micah 4 4 and zachariah three ten kind of say the same thing they go in that day you know you invite your neighbor to sit under your vine and fig tree mm. declares the Lord Almighty. Mm. And in King Solomon's reign, it's described that everyone sits under his own yeah. vine, vine and fig. So there's yeah. this idea of wealth. Yes. And so the idea is when the Messiah came, that yeah, there'll be lots of figs because mm. there'll be lots of wealth. Mm. And so that's sort of one part. You got kind of this Israel imagery of figs and also this wealth. But on the flip side, the lack of figs, which is what happens here is a sign of judgment and so jeremiah 8 13 it says i'll take away their harvest declares the lord there will be no grapes on the vine there will be no figs on the tree and their leaves will wither what i have given them will be taken from them and so yeah jeremiah 8 is this sign of condemnation mm. upon upon the israelites mm. and so here by jesus doing this he's what N.T. Wright would call an acted parable. Mm. He's tapping into these these dual images of Israel being a fig, of figs being a sign of abundance, a lack of figs being 
judgment. Hmm. And so, and there's another passage from Micah 7 1, which says, What misery is mine? I am like one who gathers summer fruit at the gleaning of the vineyard. There is no cluster of grapes to eat, none of the early figs that I crave. Hmm. Which is quite interesting because it says that Jesus being hungry. So he's using his hunger and look it's hard to know the mind of christ at that time but look jesus being jesus perfectly knows his own word so it's probably that image of micah and jeremiah there coming into it so using his real hunger Mm. to make a prophetic point Mm. and mark's the only real gospel writer to sort of link it in with the cleansing of the temple making mm-hmm. it sandwich because we're told that and disciples heard him say it so it's like okay they've seen him do this mm. it's like okay well this is something deeper than just as one sermon I found said Jesus had low blood sugar I didn't know what he was thinking mm. this is a really deliberate mm. act here he's showing yeah. is that and I mentioned it too that it was one it was one commentary I found that word kairos the season mm-hmm. it's not so much a botanical like mm. the season it was more the time has come mm. i.e like the kingdom is here and so yeah. saying like this reference in mark kairos is often used in relation to the kingdom so yeah it suggests that this word here the season or kairos is mm. like okay they're not ready for the kingdom's yeah. arrival yeah yeah they're not ready for, to have jesus as their messiah yeah it's sort of how like mark's gospel starts as well right mm. the time has come like this kairos yeah. idea as yeah. well um this yeah season has come mm. this new season and then so with this sort of sunday monday tuesday as mm. we go into sort of you know the mm-hmm. um, disciples return um and and the fig tree being withered what is the significance of these specific days obviously everything that yeah. mark mentions is has a reason for mm. it i mean it seems like it could be an insignificant thing so he wouldn't have mentioned it if it was mm. insignificant what what do you see as that sunday so, monday tuesday yeah so on a sunday monday tuesday thing it's definitely not there in mark you wouldn't find that it's sure probably way for like just to help us get the time frame of the last week sure. of jesus but in terms of like the the mark and sandwich the yep. fig the fig tree is sort of the bread part sure it's helping to focus the reader's attention on the purpose of the curse which is the temple sure and so like with that sandwich or chiasm structure the middle part's what you're meant to focus on yeah sure and so this is what help what like commentators know is that actually because because mark does have the two figs it's showing us the point of this is around the temple so yeah. cursing the fig is what's well, nt right say it's an acted parable of an acted parable <laughs> like yeah, even cleansing sure. the temple is an acted parable jesus taking on the persona of jeremiah yeah 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 in jeremiah 7 gone ah this temple's gonna be fallen it's yeah sure yeah this destruction of it so you know, jesus would good teacher so you know using lots of sign images to yeah. reinforce the message and so that's part of that is put by cursing that fig tree that's not mm. bearing fruit Mm. you know out of season it's Mm. like well in a sense it's like israel Mm. and her temple Mm. which has fallen and now this tree's dead this is what's going to happen to jerusalem Mm. and the old temple is going to fall and jesus then points him his disciples to himself and that yeah as he says there um be standing there praying you know if you hold anything against anyone forgive them so your father in heaven may also forgive your sins there's mm-hmm. this pointing people to to himself mm. in prayer mm. it's not the temple that's going to do that because that's the quote he uses when he 
gets stuck in it. My house will be called a house of prayer for all nations. Mm. Yeah, and other scriptures identify that Jesus as the temple. Well, in John's version of Jesus cleansing the temple, destroy this temple and in three days I'll raise up. And they go, what? It's mm. taken 46 years to build this temple. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And John makes the little note, that ah, was... We kind of understood this after Jesus had yeah, died. Yeah, so it's yeah. good reading all four accounts to sort of get mm. a picture, yeah, a yeah. fuller picture of what's happening. Yeah, so. that's cool. Mm. And then, so obviously, um, this these passages in Zechariah are super foundational to they are this sort yes. of um, passage. Yes, um, one that you sort of drew attention to is Zechariah fourteen four to five. Mm. I might quickly read it out yes. um, from the NIV. On that day, his feet will stand on the Mount of Olives east of Jerusalem, and the Mount of Olives will be split in two from east to west, forming a great valley, with half of the mountain moving north and half moving south. You will flee by my mountain valley, for it will extend to Azel. You will flee as you fled from the earthquake in the days of Uzziah, king of Judah. Then the Lord my God will come and all the holy ones with him. Um, so this idea of all of Jerusalem will become holy. Mm. Um, but there's also this idea of, of merchants mm. being thrown out. Did, yeah. you want, did you want to talk a bit about that? Yeah. So at the end of, um, well, we'll go, yeah, we'll go through the whole chapter first yeah. before getting to that so Zechariah 14 to kind of summarize it all um, yeah the nations have gathered around Jerusalem to fight against it and it's pretty horrific talk about city being captured houses ransacked the women being raped half the thing going to exile like it's this really quite mm. graphic language of mm. what's going to happen at the end and a similar way Revelation kind of describes that this big battle at the end of the world and then that's when God will come mm. when it seems like hope is lost and yeah, putting his feet on the mountain and splitting it. So east to west, splitting a mountain east to west, that's an escape route. Mm. That's the quickest way out mm-hmm. is like east. So mm-hmm. he's saying, oh, I'm going to give you an escape route. But then that mountain pathway from north to south, that's a way for people to enter back in. Mm-hmm. So yeah, north is the traditional side of where Israel's enemies come. So it's sort of making sense of like the place where traditionally enemies come from actually you guys are going to enter into mm. back into the city and there when when god does that and the holy ones are with him we're told and this again similar revelation language this is verse six on that day there'll be no light no cold or frost it'll be a unique day without daytime or nighttime a day known to the lord when evening comes there will be light mm. which is quite similar to how john finishes revelation this mm. sort of there'll be no more sun mm because the Lord will be light. So talking about this, what we call eschatology, mm. or what we know as Jesus' second coming. Yeah. And then on that day, living water will flow out of from Jerusalem. We've read that in other passages. Yeah, Ezekiel, yeah. Yeah. even Revelation again. So you yeah, can start yeah. to see the importance of this tying in. And it goes on, the Lord will be king over the whole earth. And we've just read about Jesus coming into Jerusalem. Yeah as king and on that day there will be one lord in his name and name only that goes on about the land with being like you know like the arabia will be quite plentiful jerusalem will be raised up and remain in place and that sort of yeah goes on and then and it talks about this plague which goes out and strikes down all the nations which fought against jerusalem and really intense language the flesh will rot while they're still standing on their feet mm. their eyes will rot in their sockets the tongues will rot in their mouth like it's a it's talking about a disgraceful way to die to sure. have to have a body rot like that yeah the burial is so important so that's yeah, why like absolutely. these guys are going to be disgraced yeah similar to Isaiah's image in 66 about the na- like the 
enemies being outside the city and the worms not consuming it. Similar language that they're going to yeah. be, whether or not that's literal, it's talking about a disgrace by them. And that sort of, yeah, goes on a bit and wealth will be around the nations will be collected, gold, silver. It's an excess imagery. You know, mm. the, Egypt, the Israelites plundered the Egyptians. Yeah, yeah. And then, yeah, anyway, it goes on about there, about the survivors going up to Jerusalem each and every day, celebrating the Feast of Tabernacles. And then, um, yeah, it kind of continues on. Then this is the part that you asked the question about. So this is from verse 20. On that day, holy to the Lord will be inscribed on the bells of the horses and the cooking pots in the house. In the house of the Lord will be like the sacred bowls in front of the altar. Every pot in Jerusalem and Judah will be holy to the Lord Almighty, North who come to sacrifice them and will take some of the pots and cook in them. And on that day, there will be no longer be a Canaanite. And so there's a bit of like it's, it's an interesting word because it can kind of be Canaanite or merchant, depends on mm. translation. But it was known that Canaanites were often merchants. Sure. And so that's sort of what of, a Canaanite would be yeah, representing in that so moment. Canaanite merchant depends on the Bible you have yeah. in the house of the Lord. And so that's important. Because that's what Jesus does. He prevents, um, it says there, uh, yeah, in verse 15, he overturned the tables of the money changers and the benches of those selling doves and would not allow anyone to carry merchandise through the temple courts. Mm. And so there, that acted parable he's doing, it's riffing off this. It's like, okay, I'm stopping selling mm. of merchandise. Mm -hmm. And N.T. Wright notes that, yeah, there'd be a lot of horror around that because oh, I can't remember the exact figures, but there's a Jewish historian called Jose Josephus mm -hmm. and he talks about like hundreds of thousands of animals that were sacrificed. Like it's just constant, like this yeah. constant sacrifice. The sound even of it. Yeah, just the smell probably yeah. of it. Yeah. But, but that's the importance because people sin. Like it just had to just keep on going. Yeah. And he said, even just a temporary halting of sacrifices, that's what, the pagan kings do mm -hmm. like right and right refers to like daniel 8 and the man of lawlessness like the one preventing sacrifice from mm -hmm. happening it's like there's this like horror of, oh my goodness like we no more divine human relations if we're stopping sacrifices yeah, it's we almost can't get like forgiveness cutting the fiber network between yeah. us and god by stopping yeah. the sacrifice yeah and so by by doing that it's showing jesus yeah like we call it cleansing but really in many ways placing a judgment upon the temple he's saying man like this thing is not going to be operating mm. how it should be he's mm. taking on that persona of jeremiah mm. and in jeremiah 7 that's what jeremiah said this temple's not going to last mm. forever it's yeah that whole den of robbers language that yeah. comes in around that because in that context that passage is like hey remember what i did at shiloh yeah, yeah yeah that place that you know where people used to worship yeah it's no longer there yeah, i'm yeah. going to do that to yeah yeah jerusalem as well yeah so it's a really multifaceted. You can start to see when you unpack this stuff. It's not yeah. just one passage; mm. as a whole, like linkage. Yeah, different images and verses yeah. coming into play for sure. It mm. is kind of for me, in some ways, a little bit confusing because he mm. um, obviously Jesus is coming to be the ultimate sacrifice, mm. and he's pointing to himself, and then yeah. in sort of um, yeah, vicariously us as we are filled with the Holy mm. Spirit as the new temple. So if he's coming as a new sacrifice in a new temple, mm. why do you care about this so much? Like, it's kind of yeah. like... <laughs> yeah, that's a great, great question. Uh, I, there's part of it, like, Jesus has zeal, which is what John refers to, yeah. zeal for your house. Yeah, it will and consume me. <laughs> yeah, and 
zeal is it's a term like often of people that committed acts of religious murder yeah like Phineas like yeah. he was zealous for the Lord and even the Apostle Paul like he talks about having a zeal yeah it's not just mean like oh yeah I'm like really into this religious stuff it's like well I'm prepared to murder yeah on this like an act in holy war and so even by that quote in John about zeal for your house will consume you and someone's like well I'm ready to like kill people for this but Jesus is actually he's prepared to be killed he sort of flips it because we hear it there the chief priest this is verse 18 the chief priests and the teachers of the law mm. heard this and began looking for a way to kill him mm. for they feared him because the whole crowd was amazed at his teaching mm. and yeah it, yeah this is a great question like why did Jesus care so much but I suppose ultimately cranky because the temple isn't fulfilling the function mm. that it was supposed to. Mm. So it says, my house will be called a house of prayer for all mm. nations. And as I said on Sunday, the Mount of Olives had four markets. That's mm. where you were supposed to buy. Because the Mount of Olives was seen as part of that holy precinct. So if you yeah. bought an animal, like a dove for a female that had given birth to, for purity, that was seen as like, okay, that animal's like mm. purified. That's mm. okay. You can use that or... Mm oil or wine or cows or whatever you needed mm. and that and so that was the the arrangement but when um Caiaphas the high priest mm. you know wanted to kind of get in on the market he's preventing Gentiles from fulfilling mm. their function turning the court of the Gentiles into mm. a marketplace mm. and preventing the temple from doing its purpose mm. and I spoke to a part of it it's giving people opportunity to repent um mm-hmm. yeah d- like yeah you know and the disciples they said later on like look at these beautiful stones mm-hmm. yeah and jesus like ah you know it's gonna be a day where these stones will be turned over it's like what the prophets did they warned mm-hmm. the israelites mm-hmm. like ezekiel in particular he's like hey like there's nothing stopping this but you mm-hmm. need to be ready for it or jeremiah it's like well you gotta let exile come mm. don't try to stop it and mm. some way jesus is saying like hey, this is gonna come mm. be ready for it mm. be ready to change mm. uh, yeah and um he kind of then sort of heads out and says like some kind of um probably often misattributed um mm. or um yeah, un- uncontextualized kind of quote of this idea that your faith can move mountains. Mm. Um, yeah, I think you kind of made the joke that it's not saying that we can be some like Jedi. Yeah, can, which I thought as a kid. Yeah, <laughs> for sure. Yeah. Mm. So, like, what is what is Jesus actually saying? Yeah. What is what is the importance of this? You kind of pointed towards what the mountain and the, mm. and the sea represented. What's mm. he What's he going on? About so that? there's there's a little bit of debate about which mountain because mm. it's so. Some people would say say to this mountain which is they're saying he's talking about the Temple Mount, so yeah. Zion, you know, be cast mm. into the sea, i.e., you know, God, get rid of it, mm. and it will be done. Like, it's a way, it's a kind of cryptic way of saying what I just did, the cleansing, make that happen. Mm. Cryptic way of saying remove the old order of things, mm. you know, let the Romans have their way, which they did in 70 AD. They mm. destroyed Jerusalem completely, yeah, sure. like saying and get rid temple, of that yeah. old, yeah. Well, there's no temple there anymore. So he's saying that completely. Or some people say, well, because he's on the Mount of Olives, is it this mountain, Mount of Olives? I.e., I, let Zechariah 14 happen the day where, you know, Yahweh comes and makes the earthquake and mm. gives an escape route mm. for. Mm. So, look, I don't know if it's an either or, but mm. 
yeah, I think either way the images works. If it's talking about Mount Zion, yeah, you know, and the temple being removed, or it's talking about the Mount of Olives, he's saying create a pathway. It's, it's, it's a similar thing Zachariah is saying by creating that pathway for people to flee, mm. he's also creating a pathway for people to enter in. But either way, mm. it's talking about bringing in mm. the new order, which mm. is what Zachariah is about. There's this, mm. yeah, it's apocalyptic imagery mm. talking about when what you know when what we call now Jesus return happens where yeah, yeah like in verse 6 you know no light no cold no frost that happens after mm. the Mount of Olives is split mm. so that is what he that's the cryptic way of mm. referring to that not mm. as I thought as an 8 year old reading this like, oh I could be like a Jedi you yeah know? totally yeah, lift this mountain with prayer yeah yeah yes. yeah for sure so so what does all of this sort of in mm. teach us and inform us about mm. the way that we gather to worship today, mm. the way that we, um, I suppose, open our space to others, and yeah. even, yeah. Well, let, let's go on that first, mm. and then I can mm. sort of we can go into the other part okay. of the question. Yeah, yeah. How um, does that inform us how we worship and gather as a community today in our own temple? <laughs> mm. Yeah, good question. Um, well, as I think, let's go back to that. My house will be called a house of prayer for all nations. Mm. And so the role of the temple was that all nations would see the glory of Yahweh mm. through the Israelites. And sure. so there was like city on a hill kind of image. Mm. So Israel was meant to be a light. The other nations were meant to see it and go, okay, wow, like there's something unique about Israel. Let's go to them. Mm. Jesus from yeah Jerusalem sends people out not to be, well, still to be light on a hill, but not mm. to just build a huge temple mm. and draw people. They actually have to go out and mm. fish for people. Mm. And so a church needs to be accessible for people. In order for people to be able to pray, it needs to be open up for all people mm. to come together. Mm. And that's where I see like applying this is that Jesus was cranky because the temple wasn't being used for its function. Mm. And so I guess in the cooling day would be the church not doing what it's supposed to do, mm-hmm. which... I mean, talking about this at our sort of Q2 meetings, I guess if you want to measure the success of a church, it's how fruitful is it, how unified is it, mm. and how much on mission is it mm. like going out. And so sure. that'd be it. Like, yeah. I mean, so seeing that equivalent there, like, you know, are we fulfilling the mandate that Jesus yeah. gave us for yeah. all the nations to come and sure. not to put barriers up for people to come? Yeah, yeah. Right. So we don't have anyone obviously selling doves or, mm. or sheep or cattle yes. in uh, you know the foyer of the centre. <laughs> what would be um, some modern equivalents that you might mm. see of ways that a Western church today yeah. could get in the way of Gentiles, so to speak, people mm. who are n- currently non-believers coming in, worshipping, being a part of maybe even just of the community, mm. engaging in prayer and worship? Yeah. I suppose to... Um, exclusivity or an expectation expectation mm. of doing things yeah and using so, like christian jargon yeah. that you know assuming that people oh. know we're talking about yeah or even having like a certain dress code like it's probably yeah. not an issue really now sure. but it's probably an issue maybe 30 40 50 yeah. years ago that yeah. like okay you need to wear a suit and tie to go to church yeah it's like well like why why <laughs> yeah I mean, James kind of talks about the guy who comes yeah. in with the gold ring and the yeah, cloak, yeah. you know, like it's not, it's yeah, irrelevant, and, right? And it kind of was like, was, oh, well, you know, you wouldn't, you would wear your best to meet the queen. That was what I was always told as a kid. You, know, yeah, you should right. put your Sunday best on. It's like, well, yeah. yeah Which is also interesting about the dwelling place of God and yeah. what it means to take. It's like, well. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. look, that's just one example. Probably in the modern context, um, 
yeah, I guess too, like how, yeah, like you said, the the language you use, the songs mm-hmm. we sing. Mm-hmm. Look, it is, yeah, I guess this is part of what in missions term we call contextualization. Mm-hmm. Like how contextual is yeah. the gospel message? And mm-hmm. so what things are there that are hang-ups that aren't necessarily biblical? Mm-hmm. Like it's interesting, the Old Testament prescribes so many things for worship. New really doesn't prescribe yeah. anything. Like you like we can kind of piece together what the church did mm. from like our sources in the Bible. There was an element of love feasts. Sure. There was singing. The communion, the Eucharist. There was you know, the prophecy, yeah. as Paul talks about, you know, women can't prophesy that your head. There was obviously speaking in tongues. Mm-hmm. But yeah, we don't kind of have like, I guess, mm. the run sheet for how the early <laughs> church read. Yeah. You know, there's no, okay, yeah, we yeah. open up with this hymn yeah. or this psalm yeah. and we Kids do Kids video prayer. after yeah, the first you know, two songs. <laughs> yeah. We just don't have that. And particularly around the first century church, later on we can piece it together. Mm. Mm. Yeah, so there's probably some things, and I found interesting going to college at how much some of my church views on church were more cultural Mm. than actually Mm. biblical. Oh, you know, why do we do this? Because that's kind of how we've always done it. Mm. And yeah, even um, it's a little bit unrelated, but... I've been talking about I was talking with Rach about how Bible reading, like individual Bible reading, is quite a recent phenomenon. Like yeah. recent, like five hundred years. Yeah, people didn't have their own Bibles for once. So this, so that's changed how we see. Like to be a good Christian, you know, it's like you read your Bible individually. It's like yeah, but that's yeah. for centuries that yeah. was an option. So yeah, yeah, you yeah, yeah. did it collectively. Yeah, yeah. Like small group is actually the more biblical. Yeah. way to read the Bible you would go mm. and listen mm. and debate and discuss mm. not sit by yeah. yourself and yeah so that's the whole point of meditating was you would yeah. learn to like m- like memorize scripture mm. and think about it like you just yeah. you couldn't just whip out into the cupboard and pull out your scroll because yeah. there was very few copies of it yeah. you didn't have an injury only the very wealthy mm. or the priest had copies of that so mm. that's just yeah I guess sort of one example. Yeah, just thinking of like a church like ours. Like even though we meet on courts pretty low in terms of like, and by low, I mean you have like high Anglican churches with lots of ritual. We don't really have much ritual, but even that, sure. yeah, it's still strange. I, know, I might come people. in this weekend with a ball of incense swinging yeah, around. <laughs> but yeah, you're uh, right. Yeah. Like the, the sacraments and the mm. sort of, yeah, the liturgy mm. is pretty uh, pared back. Mm. Um, yeah. And I think um, we also have a unique situation where we we are maybe uh, well yeah let's put it this way there are more churches that don't have cash registers when you are, when you enter through the door oh, yeah. like we are running as a like businesses mission yeah, as well yeah. well yeah and we have inflatable world on at the same sure. time how does that sort of inform as the senior pastor mm. how how do you sort of navigate that yeah. how do you differentiate inflatable world from selling doves yeah <laughs> yeah great question. Great question. Something that I guess I've wrestled with. So I don't see an inflatable world as hindering people to coming to church. Yeah, it's probably sure. the biggest thing. We're not, we're not sticking inflatable world on, like next to church. Yeah. So, or like kicking us out and saying, well, we can't meet. It's yeah, running a diff- different part of the building, and in many ways, I see it as like an outreach opportunity. It's not like if. Mm-hmm. 
because a couple of people said, oh, maybe we could start Inflatable World later. I'm like, yeah, it's not like those people going to Inflatable World were going to come to church. They're yeah, not yeah, yeah. coming to church full yeah, stop yeah, yeah. because yeah. coming to church is not part of the average Aussie's cultural yeah, norm yeah, on a yeah. Sunday morning. Yeah, yeah, yeah. In fact, as we were saying before the podcast, it's becoming less and less even for Christians to come to church sure, sure. weekly. It's mm. So I see it as a way... Um, yeah, it's almost a little bit Old Testament away of like, well, here's our space that we worship in mm-hmm. and you're welcome to join that. And it was quite interesting on Sunday. I noticed a guy looking in quite, like from the cafe window, I could yeah. see him like interested in what we we're doing. Then he got close and saw the sign. I was like, ah, oh, church, and then walked away. Hmm. Sure. And then I was going to actually chat to him, but he disappeared in the crowd. And I was like, ah, oh, no, I was <laughs> lost him. I couldn't see him in the inflatable. But yeah, yeah, so there's, for some Aussies, that's the closest they'll ever come to a just building yeah sure like, yeah. yeah i know craig likes to mock one of the contracts that comes in he goes goes oh I'll never set foot in the church and craig's like well too late mate you're in one yeah like, yeah yeah. <laughs> yeah for sure yeah so mm. that's the difference i see is that mm. yeah it'd be one thing to have inflatable world on courts one until we meet and it's like well mm. just kind of get around it like we're not actually preventing people from mm. coming to church there's yeah well, and if the car park is an issue, that's why I say park out the back. Mm. <laughs> There's always, always spots out the back yeah, for yeah, church. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah. So I, I wanted to kind of ask one more question, mm. but before I go into that, mm. um, was there sort of any kind of final thoughts that you had on, on this passage that you kind of wanted to highlight? Um, yeah, actually, one thing I was going to say about the mountain stuff, about being cast into the sea, comes from another passage in Zechariah. Mm. Um, yeah, Zechariah chapter 4, verse 6. Um, it talks about, this is the word of the Lord to Zerubbabel. And Zerubbabel is a descendant of King David and an ancestor of Jesus. So cool. he's the governor when the people return from exile. And it says, not by might nor by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord Almighty. What are you, mighty mountain, before Zerubbabel? You will become level ground. Then he will bring out the capstone to shouts of God bless it, God bless it. It's talking about the temple. Mm. That's the other thing too, like, Leveling mountains, mm. it's a way for people to come into salvation. So mm. um, Isaiah 40, like which is used for John the Baptist's arrival, it's about mm. making level ground mm. for people. Mm. So it's not difficult to mm. come in. Yeah. And so, yeah, and that's another way to, with the temple being removed and that mountain being cast into the mm. sea, it's like, well, actually, in a way, we're making it easier yeah. for all people to come, yeah. for all the nations to come and to worship, to be that. Mm house of prayer Mm. for all nations yeah it's really fascinating something i definitely don't think about in an era of cars Mm. just what the sheer logistics of mountains and what Mm. that would have meant for different people coming to certain places and this idea of a mountain being cleared really is clearing the way Mm. in such a more profound way than what it would be today when you can just helicopter over it or drive over it or you know it is really cool or even i suppose so many people just like drilling tunnels through mountains mm. or whatever it is a whole other sort of worldview of understanding of what a mountain yeah. can mean and particularly like the mountainous terrain around jerusalem yeah now look like mount zion is certainly not the biggest mountain in the world sure. but you know if you're an elderly person climb, climbing around that it's yeah. so the idea of level ground through mm. wilderness mm. it's like ah, oh, that's mm. nice it makes yeah, my yeah. journey a lot easier yeah and so Very cool yeah, I guess that's another like thing. Yeah, tying in that like church being like level ground. There's mm. no mountains blocking mm. people to coming into faith. It's good, Jesus. It's really so. good. 
I had kind of a final question, which is, I think for a lot of people, they would have listened to this teaching on Sunday and said, oh, wow, if I'd known about Mark and Sandwiches, maybe mm. I could have started to figure this out myself mm. a little bit. Mm. Um, obviously, there are, I guess they're not Mark and Sandwiches, <laughs> but there are these sort of like chiastic structures mm. in other Gospels, yes. but definitely in Mark, it's a lot more prevalent mm. and he's sort mm. of known for it. Yep. What would be some little tips and tricks for somebody reading Mark by themselves? Very unbiblically. Yeah. <laughs> they should be doing it in a group. <laughs> yes. um, but what would be your some little tips and hints to identify other Mark yeah, and Sandwiches? So look for stories which um, there's a pattern or theme connected. So... There's one, Jesus feeding the 5,000. So this is in Mark 6.30. And then you find Jesus feeding the 4,000. So mm. what's happening in between that? Sure. So there's a bit of a sandwich. Yeah. Look, and some of these are a little bit artificial to help us understand the text better. But feeding the 5,000, that's predominantly Jewish people. Mm -hmm. Feeding the 4,000, if you read that, it seems to be Gentile people mm -hmm. where Jesus is located. Mm -hmm. Well, who what's who's Jesus encountered in between that? Well, Jesus walks on water, which is kind of Exodus imagery. Mm -hmm. uh, Jesus talks about clean and unclean. Mm -hmm. So, what type of people can you know? It's not about the food you eat. It's sure. actually about your heart. So sure. it's kind of ties in with the food imagery. Yeah. Um, Jesus had he heals the daughter of a Syrophoenician woman, like yeah. a an outsider yeah, 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 and he heals a deaf and mute person and then feeding the 4,000 so there's a yeah. sort of sandwich there and that's a much broader one yeah. but in between that you can sort of see the types of people who yeah he's tapped into feeding people in the wilderness with the 5,000 mm. that's mm. excess imagery walking on water mm. or part of it then the type of people who are allowed to feast with Jesus mm. and then and it culminates with the feeding of mm. the 4,000 yeah very That's cool. just one there. Yeah. And, and I suppose in even a simple way, if there's sort of something which um, is a is a change in time or place mm. and then almost returns to the previous yeah. time or place, this idea, it's like, okay, cool. Like, that seemed weird. Mm. <laughs> like, mm. yeah, what is in between? Yeah. And it's so cool even when just, you know, in you looking at that, mm. I know that uh, I'm sure a lot of people would be like, oh, I can see how a lot of that, you know, for someone who is deaf, you know, mm. suddenly being able to, as a Gentile, you know, yeah, yeah, hear, yeah. <laughs> you yeah, know, and hear yeah. the good news. Really, really cool mm, stuff. Mm. So good. So, yeah, it's all, yeah, the Gospels are quite well-written things. Mm. It's just, and look, even I admit it's hard to find these things. Yeah. Others are much better at identifying them. But once they oh. identify, it's like, oh, yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. So it does take that mind to see. Yeah. Yeah, because we're very, like, I'm like, to A to B. Yeah. Yeah, not sort of A, mm. B, yeah. A. Like yeah, yeah, yeah. It's and a different way to think. For sure. And I think even if somebody was going through the book of Mark again mm. and wanting to maybe look for those, I'm sure that there would be some really helpful sort of, you know, oh, sites on Google. If you just yeah, search yeah. Mark and Sandwiches, mm, mm, that will highlight yes. and start to understand yeah. that. So really, so, really helpful stuff. Yeah. Awesome. Uh, so good. Yeah. Well, um, this weekend we uh, have another preacher's pick with uh, Mr. Brian Codrington. Mm. Uh, I believe he's uh, actually been a little bit inspired by our Saints <laughs> series, yes. which yes, is cool I to hear. Right. So I think he's kind of unpacking a little bit of Polycarp. St. Yeah. Polycarp. For those who that is a word slash name mm -hmm. that they've never heard of before. Um, much means much fruit, by the way. Polycarp. Okay. There you go. <laughs> um, mm. Do you want to give a quick little yeah. 
overview of the life of Polycarp and what yeah. Brian might be exploring. So, Polycarp, um, he was a disciple of John, mm. John the Apostle, and he's most famous for the recount of his martyrdom, mm. which, as we say in our video, was pretty wild and yeah. <laughs> almost outlandish at some point. Mm. Um, yeah, it goes into like blood <laughs> spilling out, pouring out fire yeah, and yeah. doves and yeah. or, or like quite wild, miraculous things happening. But yeah. Um, yeah, regardless of whether it happened or not, Polycarp was an important figure in the early church mm. and he's, yeah, martyrdom in Smyrna. It, this reflection of the cost it was to follow Jesus mm. and Polycarp had a hatred of um, uh, heretics, yeah. particularly Gnostics, so yeah. didn't hold back on them. Um, mm. Yeah, so, yeah, we don't, as we said in the video, don't have much info on Polycarp apart from the, oh, I can't remember the name of the letter, the death of Polycarp, is that what it's called? Uh, the, I think it's just the martyrdom, martyrdom of Polycarp. Polycarp. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, quite limited, but yeah, yeah he's a, but an interesting guy because he's connected in with the Apostle John. Mm. So, mm. yeah, he's kind of that link between the first yeah. generation and the second generation. And so that was a way that the church passed on its teachings was through, mm. well, I knew John who passed this and Polycarp passed it on. To mm. Simon, and it yeah, just yeah, kind of yeah. Yeah, passed on that way. Gives so, it real legitimacy if yeah, you can yeah. almost follow the family tree, so to yeah, speak, well, of apostleship, you know, mm, going back. Well, I guess for Catholic Church, that's yeah. where they go with Peter, <laughs> yeah. the Bishop of Rome. Well, we've traced it back to sure. Peter. Like the all, first Pope. Kind of. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Right. Totally. Very cool. Yeah. Very cool. Well, I'm sure Brian will have a lot to unpack about martyrdom and persecution mm. today and what that looks like. Mm. So looking forward to that. Well, uh, yeah. Mm. It's been an absolute pleasure. Thank you. <laughs> and uh, thank you for us, uh, our listeners today. So nice. It was good to uh, yeah. join today yeah. in a little bit of Mark and Sandwiches. Yes. Hope you, <laughs> hope you were fooled and hope you weren't gluten intolerant. <laughs> <laughs> See you, mate. See ya. Thanks so much for joining us. Don't forget to rate and subscribe to help others discover this channel. Check out the description if you want to find out more or get in touch with us at the Centre Dural. But in the meantime, praying for God's hand over you as you continue to step into everything Jesus has in store for your life. Be blessed.